Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another audio installment of Tiptoe Through the Tulips with your hosts, Aaron Cunningham, Matthias Crook, and Travis Wright. This week, we are in Chapter 11. We're going to finally finish it. We're covering Sections 14 through 16 as we continue to discuss what it is to be an idol uh, and whether or not it's okay to have images in worship. So, uh, jumping right off the bow here, I'm not even sure that's a colloquial expression, but let's make it one now. We have a highlight in our text here, uh, I believe from Matthias. And Matthias, what was your takeaway from this first sentence of section 14? Well, so the whole the whole rest of the section, 14 through 16, is kind of Calvin a little bit wrestling with the idea of tradition. Um and basically, he spends the next three sections set, um, kind of laying out the arguments that people in his time would give for the use of images. And a lot of it seems to be uh, based on tradition rather than scripture. Um, and then, of course, he kind of gets into a little bit of scripture later on, but he says that even that use of scripture is just, it's not great. Um, pretty much taken out of context uh, and twisted to fit their agenda. Um, but this first sentence here, he says, Enough, I believe, I would have been said on this subject were I not in a manner arrested by the Council of Nice. And so that sets the tone for the rest of this chapter. He is saying there is a council here where they a couple of guys sat down and they decided um, images were okay. And from that synod, uh, a lot of different theologies regarding uh, images have come up, and that's what people kind of hold on to. Um, and I think I found that pretty interesting. Um, I think that that's his biggest struggle, especially with the rest of the book, um, the entirety of it, because he is, in a sense, trying to dismantle the tradition and kind of point back towards um, one document, meaning the Bible, that we should all rest on. Um, and so I, I thought I, I hadn't thought of it until I read that sentence that this this whole book is really just trying to expose tradition for what it is and point us back to what scripture uh, to where and try to put scripture back to where it should be. Yeah, I, th I think that that's a really interesting um, concept that we definitely see throughout the entirety of Calvin's Institutes of what is something that has creeped in as a man, a notion of man, and what does scripture actually have to say about it? And um, I think that that's definitely something we see him tackling here, uh, and that is tricky. You know, how do you balance um, what men have interpreted with some degree of continuity to be the meaning of the Word of God versus what the actual Word of God has to say. Uh, and, and that's a tricky balancing act. So I'm sympathetic. I do that. think it's funny, though, after that first sentence where he says that he's arrested by the Council of Nice, he goes on and says, uh, he's like, I'm not talking about the celebrated council with which Constantine the Great assembled. Um, which I thought was funny because he's saying uh, this tradition that I'm, I'm, I'm talking about is not great, but the tradition of Nicaea, that's a good tradition. And I can hold to that one. <laughs> I, I thought that I just found that a little bit ironic. Yeah. Well, and that's what makes it tricky, right? Because <clears throat> obviously there have been church councils on issues 
particularly that come to mind that would divide Catholics from Protestants, right? So the Council of Trent right. is obviously a very pro-Catholic church council, whereas, you know, the, the Council of Nicaea or the Council um, of, of the Canons of Dort, you know, those would fall heavily in the Reformed camp, uh, more Protestant camp, I would argue, uh, given the Catholic Church's views on matters such as election and predestination. And so I guess the question kind of becomes, you know, does Calvin have the authority? Do we have the authority? By what authority do we pick and choose which councils should be binding uh, and accurate to scripture and which councils shouldn't be trusted? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think that's kind of the question that he he, he well, he kind of touched on that a little bit when he was saying who gives authority to Scripture, right? Um, because he says that it was Scripture that gave authority to the church, so how can the church give authority to Scripture? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the question that we all should wrestle with, and I think that the only logical conclusion is to say that it's it's got to be the Bible that we rest on. Traditions can help, you know, um, explain certain aspects to the Bible, but uh, it should ultimately rest on, on Scripture, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like if I didn't say that, I might be kicked out of the group. So. <laughs> For sure. Well, and and I know that we're starting to get long on this particular, you know, excerpt here, but I think it's important for us to, to walk through. Um, you know, Calvin points out here that they do use scripture to justify their stances, but it's not maybe correctly in its context and it's pulled from that context. And so, you know, I think all, at least purporting to be legitimate creeds and confessions that come out of these um, councils do cite to specific scripture references. And I think that's really where the Holy Spirit comes in for us to have discernment on whether or not those references are within their proper context, historically, culturally, and theologically. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm curious if you guys know where one of these uh, um, quotes comes from. It's on, it's in section 14, uh, and I wanted to talk to you about it um, and kind of get your, get your views on it. So basically he says that there's uh, John, deputy of the Eastern Church, said, God created man in his own image and thence inferred that the images ought to be used. He also thought there was a recommendation of images in the following passage show me thy face for it is beautiful um i i don't know where that verse is i've googled it i've looked it up um everywhere i've looked has brought me back to um the institutes um but i can't figure out where that verse came from yeah same i tried to look it up and i couldn't find anything about that um so i i i wonder if it's part of it wouldn't be but i mean even if it was a part of catholic canon it probably would ding on uh google wouldn't it it should. So basically what I found is in the Song of Solomon, he says, um, uh, show me your face. And then in Psalm 17, he says, as for me, I will behold thy face and righteousness. Um, yeah, but I can't find a verse where the where a passage that says, uh, show me thy face for it is beautiful. But even even still, um, do you guys... I, I can't, if, if that is if that is a, a verse in scripture um, and if I'm looking at these other verses where it says you know I want to behold your face in righteousness and all this stuff 
Um, do you think that's a good enough example to uh, create an image? I, I feel like there's a very big difference between it saying, you know, I desire to see my creator versus I desire my to see my creator. Then that leap to say, therefore, we should uh, do our best to uh, um, create an image of him. Why do you say that? Because desire, I mean, it's a very simple question. I would say, Matthias, do you desire to see God one day? Yeah. You desire to see him in his full glory. All right, cool. Does that then mean we now must try to create that image on earth and, and worship that image or even just try to observe, try to encapsulate that? Sure. Yeah. No, the answer was no to that. I know you're, well, yeah, (laughs) I know what you meant. (laughs) Right. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. Cause I'm sure one of our seven listeners, uh, caught that too. Um, yeah, I think I understand what you're trying to say. And I, I think I agree with you. I know I know I agree with you. Your story uh, keeps changing. But I think it yeah, No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. I promise. Dude, I would I'm just saying I should have gone into lawyering a long time ago. <laughs> I think that I think that there is a human tendency, which Calvin has already spoken on, to want a visual representation of something, right? Um I think that we we see that when we give engagement rings, um, we want some kind of physical representation of the commitment that we've made, um, or like we call in the legal world, we call that consideration for a contract. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, I hate that. Um, and I think that you know, in the same way that uh, the Pilgrim's Progress, I've been reading that recently, and and there's a uh, there's the when when pilgrim or when the when christian comes up to the cross he looks up at the cross he sees the physical representation of christ on the cross and at that moment his burden comes off his back and rolls and falls into the grave um there is something to a physical representation and so if if you're asking me do i want to see god someday yeah absolutely if you're asking me uh if i would be okay with seeing a physical representation of him um if I wasn't grounded in scripture, I think, yeah, I would want to, um, because there's, there's a curiosity, right? And there's also, there's also a longing to see him. And so, uh, I don't know. Does that, does that make sense? Well, real quick, you said, if you weren't grounded in scripture, you think you would say yes to wanting to see him. Do you mean that in the lens of right now or later? Like post, post post-mortem. In other words, like right now. Oh, Oh, right. Yes, I, what I'm saying is, if I wasn't, if I wasn't convinced that God had explicitly condemned or uh, prohibited visual images of Himself, either in paintings or sculptures or statues or whatever, um, if I didn't have that conviction, then I think I can see my humanity going. Yes, I would want a picture of God. Um, even if it's just the train of his robe to like put on my desk to remind me, uh, for the same reason why we put like, you know, crosses on, you know, as magnets on our fridge Mm -hmm. or, uh, as decoration on our wall. Um, but I think that the only reason that I don't want that is because I I am convinced that scripture tells me otherwise. Mm -hmm. And I understand, and I, I, based on what Calvin has explained, I think I understand the argument for why we shouldn't. And I agree with it. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and I think that brings up an interesting point in that we can have a desire and that desire can be perfectly good and perfectly godly, like the desire to see God or the desire to have sexual relationships or the desire to, you know, eat food. But like all desires, if they're not kept in their proper context, um, they turn into sin and problems for us. And so I think that's true also with the image of God, you know, it, that has to be in that proper biblical context as has been prescribed to us by scripture. And that would not include us forming an image of God while we're here on earth. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you had a really good point, Travis, here. Um, where you, I think it was when you highlighted uh, the no man when he has lighted a candle, put it under a bushel. Right. Um, yeah, so um, I'm a. I think that kind of speaks. To well, me. yeah, and I'm assuming I'm assuming they're referencing um, Mount si not Mount Sinai. Sorry, um, uh, during the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew. 5, thank you, Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew five, talking about uh, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill um, cannot be hidden, nor do you light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. I don't. It's we're going to get into more of this, but it, they they stretch scripture to mean whatever they think they should mean in other words why do we light a lamp and put it and put it under a basket like to say this is why we should make a representation it's like no you are the representation of your faith and your and acting in a godly life <sighs> yeah and that that brings up you know kind of a scary thing actually um so a few years ago um I was talking with a friend of mine who is active in my home church, uh, and he was going through our church's confession of faith, which was basically a complete mirror of the Mennonite Brethren confession of faith. And uh, he sent it to me, and it lists all the proof texts for all of their doctrinal stances. And I actually went through and looked up one by one every proof text that they listed, and I think you guys would be horrified to see how many of those are just as bad as this one where mm. it's like, yeah, they said the same word, but this was not what it was talking about at all. And, uh, and honestly, it's kind of scary. And I, and I would challenge our listeners because I beat this drum. It feels like every week, but like, do not take anything verbatim. And just because something references to scripture, don't assume that that's a correct biblical interpretation. Go look it up and put it back in its context and ask yourself, is that really a fair application to what's being said here? And a lot of the times I think that people are just kind of lazy in the way that they construct these creeds and they're looking for the buzzword that fits what they're trying to get across instead of the underlying meaning, uh, which maybe wouldn't even include that word at all. And so it's, it's kind of an alarming thing how frequently this happens in some of these catechisms as well as council decisions uh, and other places where scripture is cited as the authority behind why we believe something. Right. And a lot of that is based in tradition. Um, a lot of the beliefs um, that I see on a daily basis are really just beliefs that are rooted in tradition. And a lot of the times, in order to make the tradition work, you kind of have to do what you're talking about, where you, you find the buzzword and you fit the passage to, to make the, the argument for you, um, even if that's not what the passage means or was intended for. Um, 
but it is yeah. a bit of a it's it's a bit of a, a worry but also a bit of a comfort to know that this has been going on for <laughs> a while um because this is you know this is an old this is an old text um and he's he's referencing people that went back way before you know his lifetime so it is it is kind of a comfort to know that god's word stands true when it says that it won't come back void um and we know that god is in control of his own word and so we can still rest in the fact that it's it's not like this is new it's not like we're ever going to see the end of it until we're dead um but at the same time it is kind of it's it is kind of strange to me how somebody can be i guess dishonest with the way that they use scripture right yeah it, i mean it just totally reminds me of some defense attorneys that i deal with who i kid you not <laughs> in their briefs they'll cite from the dissenting opinion and they won't right. close that that's from the dissenting opinion and it's like okay that's cool that one judge on the appellate court thinks that but the other two thought he was dead wrong and he didn't win so what authority does this have and so i mean obviously Matthias, you and I, with our legal training, like it's been harped on us to go to the original source and validate that that's actually in its proper context. Basically, we're trained to be distrusting of everyone. <laughs> yeah, right. With all that I've learned from you guys, I just got to say, I, I think you need to loop me in with, uh, you know, Matthias and Travis with your legal training, because I basically at this point, listening to you guys have like a certificate or something, you know, like those those three class certificates they gave out in college. You could probably <laughs> take the bar exam. Um, I wouldn't recommend it, but you probably could. I don't want to take it. Fork over $700. Uh, let's oh, start man. that kick. Let's start that Kickstarter right now, just to see what the review it. would be. I've got, I've got a couple of weeks before I have to start worrying about like studying for the bar exam full time. And it's, it's already given me night sweats. Um, Travis, you had a really good point um, where you talked about the poison ivy, and I want you to bring that up. Oh, sure. Uh, I got to find it real quick because uh, it's also where it's they're down in section fifteen. They're botching scripture again. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you say your your? Because uh, I think I commented on one of yours, didn't I? Uh, no. Oh, yeah. I think you did. So basically. What my my point was that Calvin is trying to say that the arguments that he's bringing up because he brings up a, a couple of arguments he brings up a couple of uh, quotations that other guys have used to defend the idea of using idols um, or images and basically what he's saying is that they're just creative stretches um, it's it, we we see that kind of stuff all the time um, the but the passages that they use if they were if they were used in the context that these men were using them would create a contradiction within scripture and that's what i said right so basically they're saying you know um uh like one of the as as we have heard so also we have seen um god yes he uh oh no that's that's the bishops just his like quoting of like uh, is to be admired by his saints. Anyway, but so what I said was uh, exactly um, also as if you can't see God through his mighty works into the world he has created. Uh, that stretching of scripture reminds me, okay, so I remember seeing this from one specific person, but I found out a bunch of people believe this, that when in Genesis, uh, uh, God says that uh, um, they may eat of uh, every tree in the garden, um, but the 
tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he's saying, but you may eat of every tree of the garden. They tried to use that to uh, legitimize the usage of marijuana, saying it's a, you know, it's a gift from God. It's a, it is for us to consume and try. And I'm like that, the logic just doesn't hold up there because I, what I said is try consuming poison ivy next time and see how that goes. I mean, you, you can't, you can't take, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I'm getting myself upset right now because of the context they're butchering <laughs> and how people butcher just scripture in general. So, right, right, and I, I, I liked, I liked your your point to that because um, it seems strange that they would use that passage to make their point. Um, and I mean, whether or not you know marijuana is or is not a gift from God is not really the question that was being brought up in Genesis. Um, and you can't really force it to fit. And it reminded me of the people who would claim, you know, God is love and that's who he is. And so there's, there's this, this idea that um, you have to make it fit your agenda rather than, you know, train changing your agenda. to mm -hmm. fit it. Well, uh, yeah, I, I thought, I just thought it was well, funny. I thought the eat poison. I <laughs> Well, I have one more example for you real quick. And Matthias, you and I are going to get really excited about this because um, uh, the Chiefs are actually going to win every Super Bowl till the end of time now. Why? Philippians 4.13. That's why. That's a, you know, there's no, that is scripture. I am, that is my foundation and that is my belief right exactly. now. Exactly. Oh man. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can, you can rely on that promise because, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you says the Lord <laughs> yeah. plans for you to prosper. Yeah. So anyway, uh, but I think the big takeaway from this as, as you're doing a great job pointing out is when we're interpreting scripture, we should always be asking that underlying question of what dog do I have in this fight? Am I going in with a desire for it to say something? Uh, you know, I think I like to criticize scientists because they go in, some scientists go in looking for a conclusion and they make their observations warp to fit that conclusion that they go in with. And I think we as studiers of scripture have to be cognizant of the same bad thinking. We can't go to scripture with this preconceived notion of what it what we want it to say we need to go and say what does it actually say in its context and then take that step back and be objective about it instead of having this desire for it to affirm what we want it to right right and i mean that's i mean it, it makes it a little bit harder that calvin was going up against this institutional machine um mm -hmm. that had 1500 years of you know tradition and rights backing it up um, and I think that we kind of still see that today. Uh, you know, there are, there are definitely Protestant traditions. Um, there are beliefs that some people won't get rid of just based on the way that, you know, they've understood something or the way that they've been taught something. Um, I was listening to John MacArthur once uh, talk about Larry King and how Larry King was raised um, in, a, in a Jewish home. And even though he now considers himself to be an atheist, he said that he still can't eat uh, meat and milk. It makes him want to vomit. Um, and there's no real reason behind it. And that, the, the point that MacArthur was making was one about conscience. Uh, but that stuck with me because it does show that there is a stronghold on traditions 
uh, and beliefs that someone was raised in. And it's so hard to see past them sometimes. And that's what Calvin's trying to get at. He's, he's saying, look, I'm being held up by this council here because from this council came all of these different ideologies and theologies about idols. And so I would have to, I think, I love the way that he says it. He says he, he is having to deprive the worship of images of that gloss of antiquity in which the papists seek to deck it. And the, and the idea is this is old time religion, right? This is the way that it has been, and therefore it must be right. And it has worked, therefore it must be right. And to try to break that down is a task. Um, especially, it's, it's more a task to do it within your own life than it is to do it with other people. Because you can easily see other people's biases more than you can see your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's such an important thing. And that's why I think that it is so imperative that we are reading scripture in community with other believers um, who can kind of be that pulse check and say, hey, man, like you clearly are really passionate about this issue and you are looking for ways to affirm that. And, you know, honestly, in a, uh, from a different perspective, Scripture doesn't appear to be saying what you want it to say here. Right. Yeah, this was a this was a great chapter. Um, a lot of really, a lot of really hard hitting points. I, it does kind of bug me that a lot of the references that he makes, it seems as though he just assumes we know what we're talking, what he's talking about. Um, it does make it hard to follow. Um, like when he mentioned John, deputy of the Eastern Churches. Man, I don't know who that is. Um, <laughs> I don't, and I don't know what he's saying. Uh, and then he makes he makes a, an, a, a reference in chapter in section fifteen, where he says uh, they treat of adoration. Great stress is laid on the worship of Pharaoh, the staff of Joseph, and the inscription which Jacob set up. In this last case, they not only pervert the meaning of scripture, but quote, but quote what is nowhere to be found, and then just leaves it like I'm supposed to know what that means. You know. Nothing um, truly makes my Monday than hearing Matthias and Aaron say they didn't understand or know something. And then I just sit back and think, now you understand what I feel. <laughs> but I know, I know nothing. <laughs> oh man. I just run the, the... I, I honestly am walking around this world blind all day long. <laughs> I just do the intros and the outros. That's my only purpose in this. Anyway. <laughs> And I just fill the awkward silences with awkward conversation. Um, <laughs> no, it does. It does kind of make it hard, and it is kind of hard since you know the the context and the format that we're doing this in is you know we're 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 kind of coming at this as beginners. Uh, we've never gone through the institutes. We've never studied it on any kind of academic level, and so we're kind of learning along with the listener. Um, so it does kind of make it hard because I don't think that we can answer all of those in, like intricate questions, which could probably, you know, <laughs> make it a better podcast. Um, but <laughs> it, it is kind of, it is kind of frustrating when he, he makes a reference to something and there's, there's just no explanation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, when our sponsorship money starts coming through and we can, oh, you know, baby. invest that into our theological development, um, then Absolutely. we can answer those hard hitting questions. And so, you know, we should set up a GoFundMe, basically, is what I'm saying. No, because then it would just be my parents and your guys' parents, like... <laughs> my parents would not <laughs> contribute. 
<laughs> they don't even listen. <laughs> yeah, you're man. I can, I can, I can hear the sponsorships coming in now. Though, like, it's just, it's a, it's a thing to behold. It really is. Well, I think uh, have we exhausted uh, chapter eleven at long last? This is the one thing that was like different, and I was excited for. And then also, like, I fell flat because I was like, a lot of it, I was like, I don't, I don't know what he's referring to. So, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do think, uh, I do think, uh, unless you had, you had a bunch of points in the last section, but a lot of it, I think, was summarizing, summarizing the, uh, uh, kind of the, the last few chapters. Anyways, did you have anything else you wanted to point out, Matthias? No, no, I think we hit everything. Okay. All right. Well, and I think we discussed it all masterfully, including the parts that we didn't understand. So with that said, thanks for tuning in to yet another week of Tiptoe Through the Tulips. And until next time, keep persevering. <laughs>